I'm ready to record and ready to get stuff going. And what did the Crusaders do? Steve's just fucking rambling away about no, porn or some we're, shit. We're talking, hey, we're talking about your cat. Your cat's behind cat. you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cal will loudly proclaim, which means now with added cat. We are again now with added cat. Mm-hmm. This is true. So you, you'll hear meows probably back here. Meows Meow. and the sounds of a tongue licking. And in this case, not me. That was a TMI, buddy. That was a little much for Joshua. That I was because I'm for you drinking to pull my tequila. Is what that sound is. Come on. Oh, there's crazy glue on the floor, and I don't know why. <laughs> crazy glue. Sure. No, it's no. It's actually a, a <laughs> bottle of crazy glue. Like, I can reach it with my foot. There's also like a page boy cap over there, but the crazy glue. <laughs> I wasn't lying. It is a fact. She's holding up crazy glue it's to crazy the glue. screen. This is true. <laughs> I started off on a bad note with the amount of innuendos being said here. I've already earned the TVMA rating for the Cable Crusaders. And I and she's wearing a hat. And I wear that TVMA proudly because I am the fucking Azorian one. The <laughs> T-V-A-Z-1. Tvazova. <laughs> That's hard buddy, to say. Buddy, how long have you been drinking this tequila by yourself oh, just, or now you know, with added cat? You know, since about uh, noon. Greetings and salutations and welcome once again to the Capeless Crusaders live at the time from the digital safe house. I am one of your co-hosts, the Azorian one, Anthony Steves, and I am joined by the ever so talented, ever so intelligent, and ever so lovely. Amy or Amelia, or you can find me at IJNewRobot on the varying social media platforms because occasionally I do respond to Jane because people is... apparently think I look like Jane. Yeah, I see it. Mm-hmm. I see it. Yeah. Amelia, Amy, Jane. Yeah, you know. Something. It's good, right? How are you it's... doing? How are things? It's not bad. We're the dynamic 2-0 today. We are the dynamic 2-0. We do not have Manderson or the good doctor with us. It's just you and I going on in our continuing trilogy the three features of fright. Bum, bum, bum. And that, uh, before I tell you what episode we are today, I need to let you know that this episode is brought to you in part by the Nerd on Nation, powered by Patreon. Patreon. Need to remember to do my spooky voice for this episode. The Nerd on Nation allows us to keep the lights on and up our quality. As a member of the Nerd on Nation, for as little as $1 to $5 a month, you get early access to episodes, a Discord community over at nerdon.tv slash Discord, bonus episodes, and so much more. Check it out at nerdon.tv slash Patreon. I took it up and it scared you. That was good. <laughs> I liked note. that. Also... For anything related to the Capeless Crusaders and Nerdon, you can head on over to thecapelesscrusaders.com, your hub for all things Crusaders. From there, you can find all our content, as well as the rest of the Nerdon podcast family. Family. <laughs> You're feeling a little Vincent today. Mm, yes, I am, because we are in... The second of our trilogy, as I said earlier, the three features of fright. In our first episode, which is episode 173, we read the first volume of Revival. 
by Mr. Yes. Tom Seeley and Mike Norton. Yes. And I'm, I'm kind of channeling Laszlo from What We Do in the Shadows right mm-hmm. there. But um, for this episode, episode 174, we are going to read. And I have the physical copy here before me. <gasps> it is pages. Because your boy here purchased it when he decided we were going to read it. Something is Killing the Children, Volume 1. Eisner nominated. Mm -hmm. Eisner nominated for Best New Series in 2020. That is our topic, our second installment. But before we go there... Do you want me to do the whole episode like this? That's gonna be tough. I don't know. Before, I don't know. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna rotate from that and I'll say something and then you'll rotate to a different voice. So the question is when do I sink the boat and you turn back into normal Steve's? Or do I let you go as long as you go until you're like, I hate this. Please make it stop. As usually, I uh, follow the orders of a woman, is what I do. <laughs> on that note, we're going no, to go don't. on. <laughs> I always do. <laughs> No, you don't. The specific moments. <laughs> With that said, we will now go around the horn. Did we ever get this replaced? With not racist music. Did you not hear the last episode? No, I haven't yes. gotten to. <clears throat> Josh found a fantastic gothic bell toll, which is fantastic. Oh, just just a good like pipe yeah. bell, just mm-hmm. a. Like Undertaker-ish. Mm-hmm. Which it played just now, if you were listening. Do you know what? I need to listen more. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just realized this is actually in the episode. <laughs> I got distracted by your cat, man. No, 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 everyone. No, we, no. we have the sounds live when we record this episode. At the which, time. It's always occurring at the time from the digital save It's the cat. The cat's the uh, one that hits the gong no in the attention. back. But you're, you're laying on the couch, you're on the bed. But pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Right now, we're going to do Around the Horn, which mm-hmm. I'm not going to say this chick like we always do. We used to do this thing where we got around a table and we talked about the books we read, but now we're not around a table. We're in digital these streaming areas, so we're just looking at each other through these digital windows and talking about what we're reading. That's yes. Around the Horn. So, yes. I, I'll go first, because I'm <gasps> rude. What? Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <gasps> <laughs> I'm just going to keep going <gasps> what? <gasps> what? what? so spooky no my reading this time is actually a book book mm. of the listening variety mm-hmm. thanks to a certain site or app that lets you uh, use the audio uh, and it's very able mm-hmm. let me put the two together there and I'm listening to Stephen King's Revival from 2014. Mm. Not okay. to be confused with Tom, with Tim Seeley's and Mike Norton's Revival. Uh, just starting out, I'm only in the second chapter because uh, mm. it's a Stephen King book and, you know, chapters are forever. Uh, basically, so far, this young child meets this new reverend who's in town. And the reverend befriends the family. They like him. He's very kind to the child. Um very nice to him. And in chapter two, it starts off with the reverend had a sermon that goes against everything the community is used to when it comes to the Christian faith. And mm-hmm. he's gone. He disappears. And that will affect Wait, this child. He's gone? Like yeah, he's he up and poofed? He's up and poofed. He's gone. And it affects this child because this child you know, had a really close connection to the reverend. And it sends his life spiraling. And 
from what I'm aware in the synopsis, these two lives will meet again as they both spiral out of control in the best way that Stephen King knows how to make lives spiral out of control. With murder. Murder? Murder! There's been a murder. (laughs) Drinks his tequila. (laughs) I'm drinking Mm. water. Yes. Mm. So that's what I'm reading. Stephen King's revival from 2014. Well, listening to. It counts. You're intaking. You're intaking written word. Because I, I I read Doctor Sleep, and that was a fantastic uh, Stephen King novel. So I'm going with the one that came out just before or just after Doctor Sleep. So very nice. Spooky still. Spookity. Mm-hmm. Oh, Baby. it's my turn. What are you there's reading? only two. This is so, so odd because usually <laughs> the two of us when we're having a conversation, we're just like, hey, this is how we go. Instead of like, oh, we have to have to plan this correctly to. You got to introduce and everything. Yeah. So Amy. my my round yes. round the. Around the Hearn. Um, so I did have the glorious, glorious opportunity to um, to guest, aka pay a visit to our nerd on brethren. Um, uh, and- might I add the People's Choice Podcast Award winners for Best Entertainment Podcast? Nerd on the podcast. You mean it's just the People's Choice Podcast? It is the People's Podcast. The people's Podcast. Ooh, I like that. The, the, people's, people's the people's elbow, the people's podcast, nerd on the podcast. Mm. People's eyebrow, the people's elbow. Beautiful like, thing. Amy's saying amazing things right now. I'm I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, so I was able to actually go on for Laura Olympus. And of course, I rant and rave about Laura Olympus. So I reread the first 25. And then I was like, Do you know what? It's been a while. It's been a while. Mm. And I, <laughs> yep. Things up like I always do. No, because I don't. Um, So I went through and I reread all the way up to 177, which just came out. It's always good. I will continually sing the praises of, of course, Laura Olympus. Um, Tom has requested that we should probably see. uh, I should force you guys into reading it because they liked it so much, so that we have lots of things to talk about. It's a great, it's great content. And if you didn't get that that memo from their team. You might be expecting it soon. Um, I stalk Nerd On everywhere on social media. So, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing, of course, because I, too, enjoy the um, the audibly obtained libraries that might be achieved through the access of internet, mm-hmm. as well as lovely narrators, mm-hmm. um, I decided to keep my spookyisms going yes. because the second installment of the Sandman. Yes, it is. Audio drama has come out. Um, I went back and was listening to the Dollhouse arc, mm. um, so which is in the very first volume, mm. and it has the Corinthian in yes. it. Um, and if you don't know about the Corinthian, or if you don't really follow Neil Gaiman's Sandman, um, there is a full dramatic cast reading. Essentially, it's almost like a legitimate listening to like the radio. It's great. Um, a version available on Audible where um, young Professor Xavier, when James McAvoy, McAvoy. Or, my brain goes, Hedwig, Hedwig from Squid, <laughs> Hedwig, he's the beast, Hedwig, um, where he's actually playing Morpheus, and then one Cat Denning is playing Death, and she's adorable. Um, but so the dollhouse arc actually takes place where there is a young lady, her name is Rose, um, she's dreaming things and seeing things in the dreaming. So she's actually able to see like what's going on with Morpheus, with the endless. She can see inside the dreaming, kind of understand she's lost her brother. She can't find him. 
Um, and so she goes on this quest, essentially, to go find him. Um, and it simultaneously lines up with Morpheus, who is tracking down the other dreams and nightmares that he had created um, that have been running amok for the last 40 years since he's been in captivity. Um, one of them is Brute and Glob, who have been taking residence inside of Rose's little brother's head, who she's looking for. So he's they literally like feeding on him from the inside out. It's crazy. And then the Grinthian, of course, is the nightmare of all nightmares. He literally has teeth for eyeballs. He's hecka scary. Mm. He's become a serial killer. Nice. And he's inspired other serial killers to uh, do terrible, terrible things. And yeah, it's a great uh, it's a great reading. So or listening in this case, because nothing says, "Hey, I work for any type of government," as listening to James McAvoy talking about dismembering people and or destroying them with puffs of sand. <laughs> so yes, solid spooky, spooky, spooky. <laughs> and that is what we are reading around the horn. Yes, very nice. Yes. Moving right along, it's time to move on to our next spooky segment. With what we're eating for dinner? Not that one. No, not not that one. The other Cleaning spookies. out the lint trap. Not that one either. Not those. The What's other. What's in the, di- the garbage disposal? Well, that, that one is that that one is spooky because someone Ooh. could flip the switch when your hand goes in there. <laughs> what about the nub? That's news to me. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> No, we're going to bring you the news. What I liked that was news to me. That was good. It was so dumb. Nice segue. My segue was so ham-fisted, but it was so dad that I could not. <laughs> oh, that's news to me. <laughs> New balance shoes. Oh um, my gosh, yes, please. <laughs> We have uh, two stories for you that are not spooky at all, so I'll drop the voice. Uh, (laughs) First up, uh, friend of the show, Scott Snyder, and this is true, he's tweeted us twice. Just going to say that. Two time, two time. He, (laughs) nice (laughs) reference. He and his boy, Greg Capullo, Capullo, we never know. Could be one of those. Capullo. Capullo, Capullo. We like you, Greg. If someone could get Greg to respond to this show and tell us and correct us, that'd be great. That'd be We fantastic. probably just need to go interview him at Comic-Con. We should just do that, probably. But he and Snyder have a new project. One that is not DC. <gasps> no, that's right. It is independently owned by these two, and it is a Comixology original. It is titled, We Have Demons. Yes, we do. We, no, and it's also the name of the story. We have demons. Oh. Yes, it's available now only on Comixology. You can Dang. read it there. And the synopsis for said story mm-hmm. goes as such. <clears throat> the conflict between good and evil is about to come to a head when a teenage hero embarks on a journey that unveils a secret society, monsters, and mayhem. The first creator-owned collaboration from the superstar team of writer Scott Snyder and artist Greg Capello. (laughs) After blockbuster work on titles like DC's Batman, the best-selling team brings their talents to comicsology. So there you have it. We have Demons, issue one, available now on comicsology and Kindle if you go to Amazon. 
uh, but Comixology is owned by Amazon, so I just use the Comixology. So that's there for you. Um, we have all, through the extent of this show, we've read plenty of Scott Snyder and Greg Capolo, including going way back to Witches. We yes. read that. Which is we, another nice spoopy, spoopy thing to read during the mm-hmm. season. We still approve. Yep, still approve. Uh, Court of Owls, of course. That All is, day. That is uh, anything that with a bat. bat anything with a bat usually is a little, you know, spooky. So there's that one, which is a fantastic story. And uh, there was the uh, metal, the the metal Dark series. Dark Knight's Metal. Dark Knight's Metal. Thank you. That they did more recently, which we also covered. If you go back into our into our catalog of episodes, so. We are very pro uh, Snyder Capolo on this show, and I am excited to read We Have Demons, um, maybe in between this episode and the next one. <laughs> Who knows? Because <laughs> I have comicsology, so I can make that happen. Comicsology, we like you a lot. Mm. Oh. Cool. <laughs> so there's our first round of news. Amy, I believe you have the second bit of news for this segment. Yeah, because I am all things Wonder Woman deep in my bones. Booyah. I feel it in my bones. Mm-hmm. Um, that was terrible. I don't. I do not feel it in my fingers yet. It is not time. Don't go there. <laughs> she felt it in her, in her bones. That's great. You felt it in your bones. In her bones. Um, so of course, long awaited. I have. I had seen pictures of this beautiful, beautiful creature. Mm. Comic Con, twenty eighteen. I have been waiting. I have been waiting, and they finally announced, it was July, but at the time this recording is coming out, October 19th will be the release of the first of a three-part limited series from DC Black Label, which is Wonder Woman Historia, The Amazons. Nice. Now, it is gorgeous. Hard stop. There are going to be three different artists that are working on these books for each of the books. But the entire thing is written by Kelly Sue DeConnick. Bless nice. your heart, Mama bless Sue. Bless her. Bless her. Bless, bless you, uh, Mama Shark. If you are part of her text groups, you will know she is the Mama Shark and we are baby sharks. It is great. We're just sharks. Um, so the first one is illustrated by Phil Jimenez. Who, Jimenez. Jimenez. I can't get the... Sorry. Jimenez. The next one is going to be Jean Ha. And then the last one is going to be illustrated by Nicola Scott. Um, so it is the entire history of the Amazons on Themyscira. Um, and I'm super excited because, uh, Mama Shark did release on Twitter. She, uh, there was a preview page that had gone out and everyone was like super nervous because it showed maybe like nine panels of this baby that was being in a basket that was kind of going down the river Moses style. And there was a woman walking away crying and everybody's like, oh, for the love of sweet chestnuts, do not pull a Brian Azzarello from like, no, no new 52. We do not want (laughs) Zeus to be Diana's papa. No. No. And she's not supposed, she wasn't supposed to respond to it. And she responded to it and goes, nope. And we're like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so there is much rejoicing um, because that has been a very large point of contention considering there are a plethora of origin stories for my beloved Diana Prince. But needless to say, October 19th, the number one for the three, count them, three-parted limited coming from DC Black Label will be out. I will have it. And we're going to go with that for right now because <laughs> that's news to me. October 19th on a Tuesday. There it is. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, because DC actually releases on Tuesday. That's right. That's right. That's why I pulled. I forgot because well, they pulled 
Though they're coming up on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. Hmm. I don't have any more news. That does it for our news, our hard-hitting news here. Two great stories from uh, a DC Amazonian goddess and a duo that formerly wrote for DC. So great news we got coming uh, from them. And now we move on to our main topic. It is the second installment of the Three Features of Fright, episode 174. We are covering Something is Killing the Children by James Tinian IV, Werther Deledria, and Miguel Muerto. Man, That's a, great, a good name for that. He has a great last name, Miguel Muerto. That's perfect. Miguel Muerto. Nobody fights him Not down in the ring. a down in the dark ring. alley the, because the dark he alley. is Miguel Muerto. That that's screaming. That's screaming like he needs to be friends with Terry Funk. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh my God! It's Terry Funk and Miguel Muerto. Anyway. Yeah. See him as tag team champions. <laughs> Even as Terry as old as he is, let's go. Let's right just there. Go. There it is. There it is. Here is the synopsis for the story. Uh, by the way, published by Boom, Boom Studios. Studios. My and friends. I gotta say, uh, Mr. Ross Ritchie, the CEO of Boom Studios, uh, liked. My Instagram story of me <gasps> reading this book while drinking my tequila. He liked it and shared it in his Instagram stories. Aww. So, Mr. Richie from Boom Studios, thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, now, I mean, Boom Studios, so a little bit of backstory for Boom Studios. They it. are one of the smaller um, publishing companies. They were actually established in 2005. Mm-hmm. So, they are usually known for, I'm not going to say more kid-oriented, but they do have a tendency to be more inclusive in their readership viewers. And it's really kind of fun to see what they're going to be able to do. Um, but they're headquartered in LA. So, hey, Mr. Rit- Mr. Richie, Mr. Ross, mm-hmm. um, if ever you want people to come down and read and or just gush about, you know, your products, um, we, we, we want to because you guys are awesome. Yes, and... You do a little bit of everything. I mean, there's there ain't no shame in it. Um, like, I have... Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think. I'm fairly certain that Lumberjanes came out of Boom. There was uh, the Hi-Fi... Shoot, I'm going to forget the name of the book that I read. There was, like, the Hi-Fi something club that they did. I know that they were doing Power Rangers for a little bit. They've been, like, all over the place with stuff. They also did, like, Zombie Tales, Hero Squared... Stardust Kid, which I really liked. Um, and then they've done... Oh, they did Cthulhu Tales? Shut the front door. <laughs> Sorry, now I'm distracted because they also break down from just Boom Studios. They're like Boom Kids mm-hmm. and just straight Boom. And yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to... I got to I'm, I'm distracted. You need Ross to pick Richard, this up. Guess. Chairman and founder of Boom Studios, we thank you for all this, especially what we've read for today's episode. As you hear the pages being flipped through... On the microphone here, I'm going to read for you the synopsis of Something is Killing the Children, Volume 1. It's the monsters who should be afraid. When the children of Archer's Peak, a sleepy town in the heart of America, begin to go missing, everything seems hopeless. Most children never return, but the ones that do have terrible stories... Impossible details of terrifying creatures that live in the shadows. Their only hope 
of finding and eliminating the threat is the arrival of a mysterious stranger, one who believes the children and claims to be the only one who sees what they can see. Her name is Erica Slaughter. She kills monsters. That is all she does. And she bears the cost because it must be done. Hmm. Off the bat, reading that, I was like, okay, I'm in. You're like, yes. I'm sold. Yes. Got it. As as, you know, as a fan of the the heroine figures in horror films, Laurie Strode, Sidney Prescott, uh, Miss Cassie Hack. uh, I was excited to see what Miss Erica Slaughter was all about. So that is our synopsis. And here we are. Here I am. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Here I am, here I am. Like a very, okay. Um, like Revival, mm. um, it had that opening knockout punch of the kids having the sleepover, and then bad thing happens. But we don't know bad thing happened. But we don't we know, know bad thing but happened. we don't know. We know, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. And from there, it's the slow burn. It's the following this young child. Uh, shoot, what was his name? James. James, thank you. Who is the lone survivor of his friends who have now gone missing. And, oh, it's massacred. No, they didn't miss it. them. he sees them massacred. And he tells the story of what he saw. And, you know, he's the only survivor. So, of course, police look at him as, hmm. And he's quickly greeted by Miss Erica Slaughter, who has arrived after finishing up a mission somewhere. She arrives in this small town. And... She begins her investigations of what's going on, and she the two meet, and he wants to help her. Yep. And we go from there. Now, I off the bat, I liked the the art is fantastic. It mm-hmm. it has that eerie feeling to it when you look at it. Um, it sets the tone. Um, the moments where you turn a page and you see one of the creatures there out of nowhere is very like, oh shit, okay. Yep, that's right there. All right. Um, totally love Erica Slaughter's style already. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the way she handles things. Uh, suddenly that big sharp teeth in the back of the book makes sense when I see the big battle happen. Um, and I was wondering, you know, we find on the end the, the, the tattoo she has in her arm. And I'm like, oh, very cool tattoo. That's probably going to play a part later on, isn't it? It did. Uh, but I I thoroughly enjoy it. I uh, it, it had... It has that witch's feel to it about the creatures out in the woods that are watching and taking the kids, but of course, different route in that area. Um, but I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Amy. Yeah, so this is a very quick read, to be very honest. It's only five issues for the first volume, and they leave you in such a place that you're like, <gasps> Le Gasp. Um, Le Gasp. Le Gasp. So the art, of course, is very pleasing to the eye. It carries some ominous tones, even within the way it's styled. Um, we are following that trope, of, which which is actually addressed in a lot of books, too. Um, small town, winter, or it's small ta- town, children. They always go missing. They always run away. It's, mm-hmm. it's normal. Whatever happens until tragedy strikes. And so in this regard the way they set you for the hook for the first issue really just kind of blows you out of the water. You're not expecting it. It's, you know, friends at a, um, 
friends at a sleepover and they're like, what's the most scared you've ever been? And he tells everybody about this dream that he had. Mm-hmm. And then you end up like the transition between those two panels is probably one of my favorite, one of my favorite moments, hands down. Um, and it's, it's amazing. Um, everybody's voice is really distinct, especially Erica Slaughter. She's the girl with a past, but this duty and this drive that you're like, there's so much more than meets the eye. Um, you got that Sarah Connor energy. Yeah. She's got big Sarah Connor energy. Um, and a little, no, yeah. A little bit of Ripley too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just a smidge. Um, and it comes in such a great space that you need it because you're seeing not just the dynamics of a small town, but you're seeing the people that are suffering. James is tired of people thinking that he, you know, he's battling the guilt of thinking that he's responsible for having his friends go into the woods to be massacred by a creature that he was in his imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, and being the lone survivor from that. And then simultaneously, you're seeing one of the survivor's brothers, or yeah, the brother of one of the missing children um, is struggling with the fact that he's really, he's holding out hope for his sister. It's fleeting day by day. He's struggling with his alcoholic dad. Um, and then Erica Slaughter shows up into town and something just doesn't feel right. And so the choices he's making and then the pressure from the police. So it's layered. It's layered in such a great way that it it reads so easily and so well. And it doesn't lose anything in the translation of the story to the art. And it doesn't pander. Nothing is ever wasted in this book at all, whether it be a panel a splash page or a word bubble. Mm-hmm. The, I liked it. Yes, the <laughs> the layers are always great because it's very easy to do the horror movie where one dimensional characters and, yeah. and you know, I I enjoy some of those, but when you put the layers in there and you show the humanity of these characters, uh, even the, the the guy who comes off as the asshole jerk, you then see his at home life. And you're like, okay, I get why you are the way you are because you're dealing with this shit at home. And so, and you've got this weight of you can't find your sister. You don't know where she is. You're thinking the worst. So it, it's these additions to each character in it that brings the humanity out. And I've always said, you know, if I'm comparing Halloween and Friday the 13th, the one of the key factors that makes me love Halloween so much more than Friday the 13th is caring about the characters. You know, I care about Lori and Annie and and uh and and Linda. I care about those three and what happens to them. I care about Dr. Loomis. Even care about Sheriff Brackett. Yeah. Um Friday the 13th, you don't care about the I, kids at this at this I don't care about them because they're you annoying. Don't. They're you all don't. a bunch of jackasses. Hey. hey, no, the one that never made it to camp was the one that I cared about. And her name was Annie. And I was like <laughs> So, so if you're listening this the first time you're listening to the podcast, welcome. You you joined us on a great night. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> and if you're a long time listener, you're well aware that I am not a horror person. Mm-hmm. I can do mm-hmm. I can read horror. I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. But watching horror films is very difficult. And within the last month, two months, I watched. Oh, I watched Friday the Thirteenth on a Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. um, for the first time ever. And I had never known about that final sequence. Mm-hmm. At the very end, um, I'm not going to spoil it. If you happen to not know what it is, <laughs> if you do, you know what happens. I turned white as a ghost 
um, nearly passed out. I got so scared. It was really amazing. Next time they'll they'll think to you know actually record me while this is happening. Um, but in the juxtaposition of caring and not caring for the characters, yes, Halloween vests you in these these characters that you just you want the best for them across mm-hmm. the board. Mm-hmm. You build in such a way, and Carpenter did such a great job building very quickly those ties to them for us as as. Um, for us as film viewers to connect with them in such a, a not even a, a raw way, but we empathize. Mm-hmm. Like we've all been like the babysitter or we've been by ourselves or the things and you start like, there's no rhyme or reason, which makes the shape that becomes Michael Myers mm-hmm. such a great, like of a great foil. Now in Friday the 13th, the person that I cared the most about was the ding dong that never made it to camp. And her name was Annie. And she's hitchhiking. She's like, I'm going to go be the cook. And she's just this lovable, ridiculous woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's hitchhiking. She's getting there. And she's creeped out by the guy on the bike. Mm-hmm. And she never makes it. Nope. And I was like, I was invested. This was the one that I wanted. Like, sorry, Kevin Bacon. She was the one that I wanted. And then it's no knock on Jason. I think no. Jason's a, a legendary uh, slasher character. I just he scared the snot out of me. You're watching Friday the Thirteenth, and you're almost like just wanting to see how he kills everybody. That's what you you're talking up. Murdered, yeah. exactly. You don't you you start getting like antsy to just be like, do you know what? Just kill them. They're just annoying. do them just, already. Just, just do them already. Yeah, I'm tired of these characters. Kill. I don't care about them like I care about Lori and Annie and and the guy and with Linda. the guitar. I don't even know what his name was, but I was like, are you going to kill the guy with the guitar yet? Like, do you want the guy with the guitar? You can have him. No and thanks. that's kumbaya. And that is what I've liked about revival, and what mm-hmm. I've liked about something is killing the children. I care about these characters. I care that these kids are missing, and I feel the pain that this young boy is feeling, that the brother is feeling, and I'm there with it the whole way. Um, so, with that said, Amy, hmm. favorite panels or scenes? Um, so I did kind of hint to it. So. Spoilers, this is a current ongoing, but since we are only reviewing the first one through five, you have time to get your hands on a collected version. Or if you're going to go the the way of the interwebs, I cannot direct you to whatever site you might be partaking in to acquire these. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sequence, so we start t- talking about in the first um, in the first book where they're playing truth or dare and it's dark and the boys are at the house and he tells, James tells his friends um, the story like of his dream where he was, he had turned on the light. Like it was something his mom and he, or he was at home with his sister and something else. And he thought he heard a noise and he turns on the outside light and there's this thing. And he says, it's this thing standing in the middle of the yard with and it was tall like a tree and skinny and had long fingers and it seemed and he says it seemed like it was caught off guard by the light mm-hmm. and then I heard this screaming or like screeching from the ravine and he lives out by like a giant ravine like of course you do it's Wisconsin what else are you gonna do and so he's saying this and he and everyone's like nah that's not real and he goes no it was and then the next panel immediately underneath it is a picture of his is a close up panel of his eyes and his glasses and he's been crying and he's saying no no it was just a dream like he's saying it was just a dream and he's trying to backpedal so everything that we've been experiencing creates this almost this hesitancy mm-hmm. in you as a reader where 
you're like, wait, was that section a dream that we just experienced? Was it real? And now he's sitting in a police station being interrogated by the police saying, no, it was just a dream and he's recanting it. And then that turn where you're sitting there and it's just that millisecond of doubt. And then the next panel where you understand, oh crap, something bad really actually did happen. And Mm -hmm. we don't know because he's not saying everything. And so you're just sitting there kind of like, um, James, are you okay? Hey, buddy, buddy, partner, mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. Hey, you okay, buddy? What about you? <laughs> I got two. Uh, two? One, um, it's Erica buying the chainsaws at the House <laughs> with Depot. The, with House Depot, with the old guy. Henry is trying to show her these great, great chainsaws that if you lose control, they turn off automatically and it keeps you safe. Brand, top of the line, not like those crappy old ones that'll cut through your leg. And Erica then asks, where are the crappy ones that'll cut through almost anything? I'd like those. <laughs> I'd like one of those, please. Her first name is Henry, like- knows his name, says she wants just the crappiest ones that will, won't stop at all. And we all know why she's saying that, because she wants to just unleash hell upon what she's about to go find. Um, I thought that was a fantastic panel. It was funny. And I also, I mean, the the big finale. Mm. The big finale where she's trying to fight this monster while also avoiding the attacks of the brother mm-hmm. who can't see what what she's fighting. Um, the whole moment was fantastic. The, the way she gets him to finally see what she sees with, with, the, with the object to the head that mm-hmm. suddenly opens his eyes and he can see the monsters now. Um, the moment that he sees his sister there, that's, that's shattering. Um, and they do save the one, uh, beyond. beyond, beyond. Thank you. Um, that whole, the whole breakdown of that finale is great. I, I loved all of that. It shows Erica being the, the badass that she is using said chainsaw. And, and it's cordless. Cordless. Yes, it's cordless. And also showing the protector that she is, um, picking the child up, giving them, giving them to the brother, telling them to get out as fast as possible and letting her finish the job. Um, love that whole breakdown of that finale. Of course, leaving it open for what's to come because she has some information after killing said monster because now we know that that uh, that is a mother and there's many mm-hmm. children that have been bred that are now throughout uh, was it Archer's Peak. Archer's Peak. Yep. Archer's Peak, yes. That are now all over the place. And we have a talking octopus. That too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, yeah, it's the story is really great in such a way that it doesn't. I like smart horror. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I can honestly say that whether it's written or otherwise, and this is written in such a way that it feels you feel some of that anxiety, you feel some of that tension, but you're rooting for you're rooting for Erica to vanquish the foe. You're rooting for James to kind of find his place in the world. And then the end leaves you with just as many questions as the beginning did, because technically it's not even the full completion of the arc. It's Mm -hmm. just the place where they cut it so that you could actually kind of catch your breath. And even then you don't catch your breath Mm -hmm. because the next issue jumps straight back in and you're right back on the trail. Just like that. Yeah. It's just like a very brief, it's not even a musical interlude. Like you are just right back on that train. You've had your uh, intro, and now you're in, now now you're in the shit, and here comes yeah. more of it. And the thing is that now you're also going to be moving forward because, of course, like a dork, I always read ahead. Um, the assignment said, 
One through five. And I read one through eight. So <laughs> Extra credit. Extra credit. I'm not even wearing my glasses to push on my glasses on my nose. Um, so we start seeing the farther up you get, the the there's issues with Erica Slaughter and the Slaughter House where she comes from, the monster hunters. There's rules and things that need to be abided by. There's particular creatures that she's supposed to be like murdering or or destroying. And there's a reason why the adults can't see him. And you're like, oh, Uh that makes so much sense. It's very, it reminded me for like a favorite moment um, when Erica finally does open up the brother's eyes, which his name's like Tommy. I think his name's Tommy mm-hmm. Ma- Mahoney. <laughs> a double Y. Tommy Mahoney. Mahoney. Tommy Mahoney. Um, when she finally does open his eyes so that he can see what's there, um, he had run in prior with the creature, um, and he didn't see it. He couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and Erica had been talking to James at one point and says, you know, you know that monsters aren't real, but it's very, but the tone of it is very, or it's, you know, the monsters aren't real, but what you believe and what you know are two different things. Mm -hmm. And so it takes on that, that very, it's the imaginary dinner and hook. Yes. It's that moment of belief. Yes. And thinking that, and, and having to reactivate Tommy essentially to get him to believe Mm-hmm. Like forcefully awakening his belief, his imagination—it's not even his imagination, but his his sense to be able to see—is so like it's so quick. And then you're like, "How did you do that?" Mm-hmm. And then it starts making you question if you're like me, what else did I am I not seeing in in that that struggle to continue to be an adult to forget the things that go bump in the dark. Um, what have I pushed aside and forgotten, which she brings up as an adult, you grow up and you forget. Um, what am I forgetting in pursuit of the normalcy that, you know, we just chalk it up to some terrible wild animal in the forest and not mm-hmm. something else that could be there. Mm-hmm. And and you mentioned it earlier, and it always works well. It, it, there's the stranger things element in the beginning of just focusing on the kids the kid's side, the kid's tail, through their eyes. And it's a small town again. And the thing is, the small towns are always going to be the the perfect settings for horror stories like these. Because small towns are always the ones who keep things to themselves. They don't open up about it. They don't tell the world about it. Whatever happens in our town, you know, we just keep it in our town. We just keep it here and no one else knows about it. So it's so believable that stories like these happen in these small towns. Archer's Peak, revival happening in the small town in Wisconsin. Stranger Things as well. Haddonfield, Illinois. The the small town is always going to be the best setting for that because it's believable that something like this would happen in a small town and people either wouldn't pay attention to it or would keep quiet about it and not tell anyone about it because they don't want to bring trouble. They don't want to bring all the eyes on this town. They don't want to ruin their way of living even if it's something as horrible as this, they want to be hush about it. And that's why it works so well. That's why those will always be primary settings for horror stories. I mean, you, you, can, you, can, you can pull off a horror story in a big city. It can happen. It's okay. a lot more, it's a lot more difficult to do it. There's more obstacles you got there. 
And it's, again, you'll still find them where they're in the big city, but it's restrained to a building. You're inside this building. You're inside this closed location. Um, so the small town is always a prime setting. It's a favorite of mine. So seeing that, because when I go into small towns, it's the first thing I think of. What, what, this could be a great horror movie. What, what, what could be taking place here? So I really loved that aspect of it. It's, yeah, the, I'm not going to say it's a trope because, like, I was thinking literally Neil Gaiman uses it in American Gods. And it's not yep. a, American Gods is not a horror story. Nope. But the way he uses it to establish what's going on. And then simultaneously as a writer, he gives you the expanse because they're traveling across the entire United States, the expanse of the United States, but it's interconnected by the little towns Mm -hmm. and the little towns that contain the big secrets. And it's the Twin Peaks. It's Fargo. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's stranger things like you feel it. And then um, it's 30 days of night. Um, Like it's, which mind you, Fairbanks, See, and see, and fa- the funny thing is Fairbanks is that small. Like everybody knows everything. And it's not the fact that you don't want things to get leaked out. It's we take care of ourselves. We take care of our own. Let's keep it. Let's keep it that way. We handle this. No one else does. Exactly. And then when it comes to things like Haddonfield, that's like, that's that small town being completely impacted by something on the outside. Mm-hmm. Like thinking it was gone and it's coming back. And then trying to and pretend it like keep, it doesn't exist. Like it's not there it anymore. It's gone. Back. And it keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. and it's so great because with uh, something is killing the children, the the space where we're simultaneously seeing it through so many different lenses because we're rooting for James, we're rooting for Erica, we're starting to maybe root for Tommy. Like we're getting all these different perspectives. And so simultaneously, we have the small town vibe where we're pressed in. But because Erica's the outsider, it reminds me of Oh, what is her? I can't remember what her name is, but in Rango, when Rango shows up in the town, of course, thanks Johnny Depp for being, you know, chameleon. (laughs) You're a stranger. Strangers don't last long here. I always think about that line Mm -hmm. in relation to anybody going into a small town. It doesn't matter because I'm like, something will happen to you. Hopefully it's good, but something (laughs) will happen to you. And, And this one now, it just happens to be taking every single freaking child within however many miles of this town and in this town, and they're being consumed by, you know, a shadow creature. Yeah. Yeah. A lovely shadow creature. Uh, I was just looking up um, James Tinian's history and his he background. He did Talon. He, he did worked Talon. for DC. Yeah, he did. And he was actually mm-hmm. uh, studying under— And he also under... did the backstagers for Boom, which was actually really, really cute. Mm-hmm. He studied under Mr. Scott Snyder. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually did a bunch of the uh, a bunch of the backup features for the new fifty two fifty two relaunch of the and stories that were Rebirth. connected. Re- Rebirth two, yes, one. for Batman uh, number one, right? Yes, Batman Annual number one, yes. Um, yeah. And he did, and his stories did tie into the Night of Owls comic book storyline. So he has, and we just said about witches earlier. He has the tutelage uh, from Scott Snyder that I'm pretty sure. Helped him in developing his craft because, like I said, they get that sense of witches when reading the story. And um, it's uh, seeing him go from the DC universe through a lot of stories. Mr. Freeze, Red Hood, and the Outlaws. Uh, He did Talon, like you said. Yeah, and Um, Talon was probably one of the things that was so unexpected for 52 coming out of the court. mm -hmm. um, Because there were so many questions raised about the Talon 
and the talent agents. And if, if, if you don't know what talent agents are, please go find a copy of the New 52, the Court of Owls, the Batman, Batman's yes. Court of Owls run. It's wordy, but it is so brilliantly done. It's great so story. trippy. It's great. Um, but there has been quick quick synopsis. There was a secret society that's always been in Gotham, even before Gotham was ever created, that has been quietly controlling it from the shadows. They call themselves the Court of Owls. They are faceless, essentially. Um, they all they don't even really know who members are. They are just the court. Um, but they also have a special assassin that has been picked essentially almost from birth and trained to be an assassin um, they're sleeper agents. And the only way that they know who they are or they find out who they are is because of a tooth that's in the back of their head. And once they're activated, essentially they go into uh, a coma, not a full comatose state, but they go and they murder blank. They do a Bucky. Yeah. But they don't retain anything. Correct. And then they switch off and they go back to sleep for a little bit and they come back. And even after death, they can awaken them. They're called Talon. Um, and we come to find out that one of the Bat family actually is talent unbeknownst even to them um and there is a full entire segue run spin-off from the court called talon that is following the and i can't even say escapades it's just following talon mm-hmm. um and so yeah it's woof, it, it's a trip <laughs> so again that's showing you the the background of of these layered characters that tinian has um, in his repertoire. And he shows that in Some Things Killing the Children, which has reached great success. It's um, still going. It's, it's still ongoing. going. We yeah. just recently, uh, issue 20 came out on September 22nd of this mm-hmm. year. Uh, still going, because I can tell Mr. Ross Ritchie's promoting it on his Instagram uh, quite a bit, so there's that. Um, it did receive a nomination at the Eisner Awards of 2020, in 2020 for Best New Series that was nominated. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... That's a big deal. I see the stamp yep. on my comic right here, looking at that. So uh, this is going to be one where I am probably going to, like Revival, collect the other volumes um, yeah. in physical form probably. Because um, I am very interested in seeing where the story takes us, where the story ends up. Because it's got me hooked in this first volume. And i very hooked, especially given the time of year that it is. Well, and this is the nice thing. It even kind of seeps in, even though the tone of the book itself or the the season in the book is not full winter, it feels like it should be. Mm-hmm. Just the way that it's colored and lit, it feels like it should be an autumnal moving into winter type of, that's mm-hmm. the creepy vibe you get from it. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that and I was like, oh, that's not the actual season that's going on in this book, but it feels like it is. But it feels like it. Yes. <laughs> so uh yeah we uh mm-hmm. so the writing of course done by james tinian the artistry by werther deledra deledra man i hope i'm saying that right deledra i think so uh colorist of course was miguel muerto mm-hmm. and lettering by and world design so they took care of the lettering on this one and nice. it's uh you know Critical reviews, critically acclaimed by numerous critics. We've got 9.3, 8.8. It never goes lower than uh, 8.4 and has gone as high as 9, 9.3. It goes up to 11. To 11. Well, there you go. So 
this is a good story. This is mm-hmm. uh, this has got the hype train. You should like Ross Ritchie get a hold of this book and post it and share it and read this. Even if you're not big on the horror stories, the complexity of the story and the layered characters is something uh, Amy and I both believe you will thoroughly enjoy, um, and it should be a part of your comic book library. Yes. See, we she don't said have yes. Clapboard. We don't have clapboards. We're like, no, we don't. And scene. Uh, uh, cut. Cut the check. Cut, print, moving on. Well, that was, uh, that was pretty good. It was yeah, a pretty, good discussion. Pretty quick. I mean, it's yeah. it's good. It's just a good book. Like it is. And there's there's not as much work to be like. Oh yeah, there's so much that we have to talk about. We just there was just a little bit. It's to the there point was, and emotional. Yes. Oh yes. So emotional. <laughs> so, so emotional. That concludes our discussion of something is killing the children. The second installment. Of the three features of fright from the Capeless Crusaders. Did you like that? That was good. Did you like that? That's a pretty good one. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed these last two installments. Uh, if you have, please, you know what to do. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, like, subscribe, comment. leave a review. Yes, comment, leave a review on what you thought of us. Please give us five stars. If you're thinking of giving us one, I will reach through your phone that you're listening through and i'll go freddy krueger i'll reach through it i'll look you in the face and say what the fuck do you think you're doing don't you even fucking think about that that's put a the lot fucking of, phone that's down. a lot of rage if what, if it's get, a, what if it's somebody who happens to accidentally hit the one one star when they're trying to fix it say, and you're gonna just i you're will gonna sense jump through them. if it's accidentally that i can sense you're gonna sense it yes but when they purposely hit sense. the one i'm gonna get in the phone I'm going to pop out with the clawed hand and tell some weird, dirty joke like Freddie does and then attack their dreams. And that's why we can't have five on it. Attack their dreams. I got I five it. on it. <laughs> I'll sing that song as I attack them in their <laughs> dreams. I haven't done Freddie yet. Still haven't done Freddie. <laughs> Give him the Freddie yet? Nope. No Freddie. Oh. Damn. I'm, anyway. I'm slowly proceeding through things. A lot of Vincent Price. I'm happy with Vincent. We'll stay with Vincent. Yes, Vincent Price. I'll so stay please. with Vincent and Sir Christopher Lee. There you are. Like, okay. subscribe, and comment on about our podcast here. And uh, furthermore, we thought, will you shut up, Cat? Yay, Cal! You're quiet the whole damn episode until now, you bastard. Because he's like, can I come up on your lap? Not he yet. Sound, he does sound like a small child. I'm not going to lie. Let me wrap the show, Cal. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we do have our pick for the third and final installment of the three features of fright, yes. and that is drum, drum roll, Amy. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Survivors Club, hmm. created by Lauren Bukes, Dale Halverson. And artistry by Ryan Kelly. Yay! Thank you, Amy, for finding this story. This will be the final chapter of TCC's 2021 edition of Three Features of Fright, because I really want to make this a continuing thing on this show, just so we all know. (laughs) We know. And considering that next year, 
the nice uh, the nice house on the lake, which is a horror mm. book that I am behind. Mm. We'll actually have a volume out. I have planned. Nice. I, I, I have like plans. I have plans. I have plans. So be sure to be here. Lots of be sures and be here stuff there. Be here for our next episode, episode one seventy five, the third installment of Three Futures of Fright, where we cover Survivors Club from the Vertigo imprint, Vertigo imprint of DC Comics. Whew. That That's was tongue twister. So much excitement. I'm getting tongue twisted. I apologize. And and Cal's like, I need to come in now. Yes. We thank you, of course, for listening whenever it is you're listening to this show. Morning, noon, night, whatever it is. 3 a.m. We don't care. Thank you for listening. I, of course, am your co-host, the Zorian one, Anthony Steves, who loves all the things horror and spooky. He is joined again by the amazing... Amy, but I am not a cat. But hey, Cal, I hear you. Meow. <laughs> We are not joined by our two cohorts, Manderson and the good doctor, Dr. D.R. Barry. Um, we keep them in our thoughts. Like something serious happened to them. They're just not yeah. here. What am I saying? I was like, I was waiting for you to say like we we light a, a candle in their pumpkins yeah, for to remember them this season, but I'm like, they're not they're not deceased. They're fine. They're 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 fine. They're just not here. That's just I apologize. They're just, you know, they've got things. It's fine. And stuff. And stuff. But again. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time as we continue with the spooky season. Until next time, good night. Good night. <laughs>